0: I see New-
1: Welcome back to Tears, Ties, and Transformation, a podcast about healing. And we are diving back into our summer series with some bonus episodes with Bridget and I having some real raw conversations about us, about our lives, the things that we are going through and experiencing, growing through all the things you all. We are all on this human experience. Yes. Every single day, just figuring it out. Making shit up. Making shit up. (laughs) Making shit up, right? As we go and saying, oh, that doesn't work. Let me try something else. (laughs) You know, just being open. Yep, absolutely. So today we are going to talk about the topic of bittersweet situations and scenarios that happen in our lives As Bridget and I both are experiencing some things that are bittersweet on all fronts of our lives. Bittersweet is a great word to talk about complex emotions. I think we
2: often want to put our emotions into a box. I'm happy or I'm sad or I'm frustrated. I'm angry. And often it just really isn't that simple. There are often many emotions all wrapped up in one. And sometimes dissecting them is not always the easiest. And bittersweet is one of those where there's joy and then there's also like a grief and letting go. It is all wrapped up in a complex ball of
1: emotion. Yeah. And I resonate with that a thousand percent in this season, experiencing all of the emotions from sadness to excitement and joy. and. Grief because on the healing journey, you continue to experience those things, especially for example, if you have to keep having certain conversations with certain people in your life. An example of like a bittersweet feeling with that that I've experienced is that it's just like, Why are we having this conversation again? That's kind of like the bitter part. But in that, the person maybe that I'm talking to, I can acknowledge that they're. A little bit further than they were the first time we had the conversation which makes it a little bit sweet right so I've been experiencing that in some of my relationships and friends and family but it is a continuum it is a journey and it's not some of these things that need to be healed in certain types of engagement interactions with one another are not going to happen overnight and so that's one thing that I've been experiencing in my relationships lately as I have been really hyper-focused on setting clear boundaries with people, places, and things in my life. And with myself. Most importantly, I think it's with myself. As I'm evolving as a woman and as a professional, as a person, I'm noticing there are certain boundaries I had that are not really serving me well anymore. And I'm having to create new boundaries. And so I have to Get comfortable with it first and foremost for myself, and then teach people how to treat me, kind of deal. So, that's some bittersweet. That's one of the bittersweet kind of situations that I've been going through as of late. Bridget, what about you? Well,
2: I was going to ask you, I know you've got some big changes, and often bittersweet emotions are related to big changes. So, do you want to talk
1: about some of those big changes? Yeah. So, Actually, today, when we finish, I'm going to be heading out to St. Louis, as most people know, is my second home that I lived in for about four years from twenty thirteen to twenty seventeen, and that I've continued to cultivate and nurture a relationship with my friends who've become my family and my professional connections and so I am going there for a job opportunity and I will be making my way back to St. Louis permanently this summer. So I am experiencing bittersweet feelings about that just because I've been back in Dayton for four and a half years by the time I'll be leaving and I've gotten comfortable here. When I moved back, I let St. Louis go so that I could be fully present in Dayton and bloom where I was planted. And it allowed me to really develop different relationships with my family, my friends, my community. I've been able to create a lot of things here. So I'm sad. I have some sadness about leaving, but then I'm super excited. Like, I'm super Grateful and joyful that I get to return back to St. Louis, a place that I do consider my home. A revelation that I had recently is that Dayton is my hometown, but it's not my home anymore. I guess I've been grieving that thought, you know what I mean? Because most people are like, my hometown is my home. That's home. It's always going to be home. But I don't feel like that anymore. I feel like it's my hometown. I don't feel like it's my home, but I do feel like St. Louis is my home. And so I'm really excited to go back to a city that contributed immensely to my growth professionally, financially, spiritually, especially personally. That's where my work started back in 2015. So it is a place that fills my cup up, whereas, and this is kind of the bittersweet part too, while so many amazing things happen for me in Dayton since I've been back And I've been able to contribute a great deal to my city and my community because I went to St. Louis and developed the skills and the tools and the knowledge to be able to pour back into my city. It is also a place that takes in that I poured so much into my city that I feel like I need to go back to get feel back up after four and a half years. So there is a lot of emotions there. But today... I feel less sad and more excited because since this whole first quarter of this year, I've been really working through that. I've been in a a season of excitement and grief. It's an interesting place to be in. I don't think I've ever really actively realized that I was in a season like that until this year, but I've been working through it, and so now I feel like I'm at the end of grief and I'm fully in excitement and joyful mode because most people who know me know that when I came back to Dayton, my first two years, I was going back to St. Louis like six, seven times a year. So I wasn't really being present in Dayton. And then when I finally stopped that and like was present, I was fully committed to Dayton. One of the things I always say is like my goal is to create opportunities for other young professionals and specifically young black professionals it was to put Dayton on a map. Every time I went somewhere, I wanted people talking about Dayton because we have some amazing things here. And so I was obedient, right? Like God said, you're here. I'm placed you here. And I didn't think I would be here. Everybody also knows I said a year and it's been four and a half years. And so I said, okay, God, well, will you tell me I can leave? I'll leave, but I'll just be president, and I'll be obedient, and I'll be here in Dayton. And so I feel like I finally got the word that my time in Dayton is complete, and so I'm gonna go because I feel like it's complete. You know, I love that we're
2: recording this now. I mean, by the time this airs, you'll be in St. Louis, but we're intentionally recording this now to capture those emotions in transition. There is so much that can come up in transition as work, but also as strength. So it took strength to come back to Dayton, to leave what you had created in St. Louis, and to choose to be here for family. And it also takes strength to cut some of those cords and to go and really start anew. Like, you're talking about going back, but a lot has happened in four years in your life, in the world. And so you're really starting anew. It's a new chapter with blank pages. And that can be exciting and scary
1: and requires an enormous amount of courage. Yes, Bridget. You're absolutely right. So much about St. Louis has changed since I left. So there is like, I'm super excited to be an explorer, or adventurer again, like Dora the Explorer. But at the same time, because I am not who I used to be, and the old Kiana in St. Louis was, I don't ever wanna go back to her because she was doing the most. She was overextended to the max. It served me well then. I thank her, but I'm not her anymore. I'm a different version and I've learned a lot since then. And so I'm, I'm a little nervous to go back because there are still some people there in St. Louis who may hold me in that light and I'm not doing that anymore so again like going back to the bittersweet feeling there is like excitement and nervousness at the same time of returning but I'm confident in the work that I've done in Dayton so that's why Dayton was also really pivotal in This deep dive of my healing, my second deep dive. So, my first deep dive was in St. Louis. My second deep dive was here in Dayton. And I was able to unlearn behaviors that no longer serve me today. And so, Dayton poured into me that way personally, tremendously, like St. Louis did the first time. And so, now it's time for me to go apply what I've learned, apply the lessons that I've learned, apply the work that I've done in a new space that looks different than Dayton. It's a larger city. There's more to do. There's more enticing things rather than Dayton. So it was easy to come home and kind of be like, okay, let's take a step back, reel some of that in. And so it's going to be a test. And so there are so many emotions around that. Like this whole first quarter of the year, I have been overwhelmed with emotions. I've been crying a lot, probably cry like twice a week. Just emoting, being present in my emotions, my feelings, processing through thoughts, letting go of the obligation that I feel to stay here, to my family, to my community. It's a lot because I have a really good community here. You being one of them. And I remember probably a month or two ago when we hung out, we were at Century Bar and I'm like, (laughs) crying at the table (laughs) because you said something to me as my friend and business partner for this podcast that you supported my decision to go back I didn't know I needed that but it was knowing that your community supports you to go do something that is going to be good for you it is important and it does matter and so I just want to thank you for that for the support that you have always had of me and the things that I'm called to do and so yeah It's
2: bittersweet. (laughs) I mean, I can definitely relate to being bittersweet. I'm going to miss you. I also know that this is not an ending for us. It's not an ending for the podcast. It's not an ending for our friendship. And I also recognize that if you had not come back to Dayton, if you had not been here for four years, this friendship would not exist. And so I also am incredibly grateful for you answering the call to come back here i also i see you i see the new branches that you are growing and the need to repot in fertile soil in order to spread those roots and to spread those branches and there are so many incredible things that are just on the cusp of creating that you are meant to ignite, and to participate in. And so I'm so excited to witness that in whatever capacity I get to witness it. It's incredible, and it's right on time. And I just, I feel blessed to be able to witness it.
1: I appreciate that, and man, you are absolutely right. If I hadn't have come home, would we have would have never been able to be created this podcast right that has helped so many women so I am immensely grateful for Dayton in these last four and a half years for the relationships that I've built for the growth for the clarity for I mean just all the things that came with it, the good, the bad, the ugly, the challenging, because it ain't been easy. Let me tell you, Bridget, you know, it ain't been easy because, woo, it's been a lot of work, but it's been so purposeful. And so I am so grateful.
2: Growth, if you have watched a seed becoming a plant in slow motion, it looks like it's exploding. And growth can feel like that, right? It can be painful. But honestly, it is necessary for us to create what we're here to create. What I think is incredible is that you answered the call to come back to Dayton. And you may have resisted at the beginning by traveling to St. Louis all the time, right? And telling everybody, I'm leaving as soon as I can. But eventually you accepted that, right? You accepted the calling for what it was and planted a whole bunch of seeds here both in friendships and family and community, and are now saying, okay, y'all, it's time for you to take over the garden. And you're stepping into the next chapter to plant new seeds. And this time was needed for that. And I think so often we want to control all of the pieces. We want to control the next step. We want to control the outcome. And we want to be certain. But the truth is there is no certainty. Life is uncertain. And we just, we have to go with the flow, right? We have to grow Grow with with the the flow. flow.
1: Oh, yes. That's a t-shirt, Bridget. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. We have to grow with the flow. Yes, absolutely. That is exactly what it is. And you're absolutely right. That's what we learn on a healing journey, right? Growing with the flow, being able to pivot, staying in the passenger seat. Because there's so many things that if we try to have too much control, we're going to miss out on a lot of relationships, on a lot of lessons, on the things that are really purposeful, that are contributing to us and investing in us for whatever the next is. And so, yeah, this is a completely new chapter in my life. I'm more mature. I'm wiser. I'm more healed. I have a lot more clarity as to what my purpose is and what that looks like manifested And I'm still open because there's still a lot that I don't know. So, I mean, the reality is, like, going back to St. Louis is really uncertain. Like, the only thing that I do know is that I'm going back. (laughs) I don't have a place yet. I'm interviewing for a job. I made it to the fourth round. I think I got the job, but that's not set in stone just yet. But regardless, that is a part of, I think, The relinquishing of control and submitting to the process is when you feel it, all the pieces may not be in order or figured out yet. They may not be set in stone, but if you have faith and you believe in that feeling that's telling you to go, everything will work out. That was literally what happened when I came back to Dayton. I took a deliberate sabbatical because I needed to, because my life was like really. On go mode, I mean, I'm talking about grind. I probably would have had a picture in a dictionary next to grind, what that looked like because your girl was overexerted, okay? And so, knowing that I was coming back to Dayton to help out with family, take care of my grandfather, to help my mom out. And committing to that for a year, but then it turning into four and a half years and taking that deliberate sabbatical, I didn't really have anything else figured out, right? I knew I wanted to start my consulting business, which I did that, but nothing else was in order. I just kind of said, okay, well, I feel the call to come back, so I'm going to figure it out. I'm kind of right now going kicking and screaming because that's not where I thought I would be. I thought I was planning to go to Tampa after St. Louis, but and people still today, really, they mock and joke, like, remember you said you were only going to be here a year, Key? <laughs> I was just like, yeah, but when it's God's plan, it's, 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 it's something different than what we had planned, but it's always for our good. And so, you know, it's just really figuring it out. Relinquishing control also, it's two ways,
2: right? So when you shared Century Bar about the next <laughs> moves in your life, there was no doubt in my mind, but to support you. But the truth is that often we want to hold on to others, right? We want to hold on to our partner, significant other. We want to hold on to our friends. We want to hold on to our children and not let them fly, not let them live because their lives in the ways that they desire to live their lives, because of how. They benefit us, right? And we want to keep them close. But the truth is, love is letting go, right? And is being grateful for how the other has shown up for us in our lives. And then to know when it's time for that relationship to change. And I'm not going to say end because this is not ending.
1: Not at all. Right?
2: But it is going to look different. It is going to look different. You're not going to come over to my house and sit on my couch, it's going to look different. And that's okay. And I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know it's going to be what it is meant to be. And it's the same with so many other relationships in our lives. I have experienced a child growing up and putting her in a U-Haul with all her stuff and waving goodbye. That is a shift. That's a change in a relationship. I could have tried to hold on and say, no, don't go, stay here, right? But That doesn't serve her or me. And so that's another bittersweet. It is recognizing and letting go and allowing the change of a relationship, whether it's a romantic partner or a friendship or a family member, letting
1: those relationships ebb and flow. And that reminds me of something that one of our guests, Clarissa, said, let me go and let me grow. And that is exactly what you just kind of described with all the transitions, right? And so absolutely not. Bridget, you're not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. We're going to span this thing city by city. And it's going to continue to pour into the friendship and the foundation that we've already built. Because one thing about it, how we even got started as friends, the first meeting is like people were able to tell us the similarities that we have before we even ever met each other, right? And then when we met, we were able to validate like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. We have these similarities. And what that did was like, it helped us to create a whole platform that is creating a safe space for women to continue their healing journeys and to have a safe space to talk about those things. And I mean, you can't just let that go. It'll look different, as you said, it'll shift and change. But one thing that's exciting is that we'll be expanding to St. Louis and we'll be able to have a larger reach and continue to go from there because now you guys are going to come visit me.
2: I actually have never been to St. Louis, so I'm coming to
1: visit you. Yes. And uh, I don't know what that's going to look like, but yep, absolutely. It's going to be a good time. So yeah, it's been an interesting time. I'm excited. I'm a little sad, but I'm overcoming the sadness. It's just, it's time for a new chapter and When we talk about healing, there's seasons for doing the work and then there's seasons for applying what you learned in all the lessons that you learned in doing the work. Not that the work discontinues. It continues, but there is an active season of like application, implementation. Let's see how we do with all the work that we've done. And that is part of that ebb and flow that you talked about. And so I'm really excited for that because I am... A different version, Kiana, and I haven't even seen all the possibilities and capabilities of who I am today. And that excites me because your girl been putting in some work. (laughs) We're talking about
2: physical location, right? And changing physical location. And there's something powerful about that, whether it's travel, whether it's moving. When we put ourselves intentionally in a different physical space, even just driving an hour and visiting a small town somewhere near you, whatever that looks like, it can really open our minds to possibilities that we didn't know existed before because we're experiencing something that we haven't experienced before. Even intentionally taking a different drive home staying off the highway can change our perspective. But when we physically move all of our belongings, right, to another space and make ourselves uncomfortable, we can't help but grow in doing that. I personally have lived in three different states, four different cities, I think 15 different homes or something crazy, I'd have to count them all up. But there is the first couple of times are a lot harder. It gets easier as you do it more often, but there is a, it feels like a fresh start.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and, the, and the funny thing is, I have an attachment to my things now, but I've made a decision to not take it with me. I am selling everything. I am starting completely fresh this new chapter. I am honoring it, and I will let this next chapter tell me what it's going to be. I do not figuratively and physically want to take any baggage with me. And that is something that I have learned on the journey too. And we talked about the letting go, the detaching and letting things grow and thrive without keeping holding on to things. So, I mean, it's exciting, but we've talked a lot about me, Bridget. We'll get to me, but I wanted
2: to just say about the letting go of stuff. So, when I, in 2016, I kind of hit the reset button on my life and I sold everything that I owned, including my house and all of its contents. And that process, I kept a very small amount of things. I kept like photo albums, right? But that process of intentionally getting rid of things is incredibly powerful. And I did not realize until I went through that process myself how much energy is attached to things. And I often tell this story. So part of it was like, okay, what kitchen utensils am I gonna keep? And what's necessary? And and what do I love? Just even the dishes in our kitchen cabinets have energy and meaning associated with them. For example, if your dishes were part of your wedding registry, when you open the cabinet on a subconscious level, you're remembering going through and picking out those dishes or the unpacking them after your wedding if however one of those dishes got broken in a fight of some sort then subconsciously you're remembering that fight when you go through the process of purging whether you're moving or you're just deciding to purge you become conscious of what those memories are when i went through that process i realized that i had over a dozen pair of scissors in my house Why did I have so many scissors? Like, do you really need a dozen pair of scissors? And what I realized is that I had a memory of a fight with my mother as a teenager because the scissors were missing and I was the last to use them, right? Because there probably were one pair of scissors in the house and we had a huge fight. And so subconsciously, I kept buying pairs of scissors so that never it would matter if one got lost. I would never have uncovered that memory if I had not gone through the process of purging. So even if you don't move, the process of going through all of your things and really getting clear on what do I want to keep and what is unnecessary, you won't even realize necessarily all of those things. There's a And I don't remember the name of the book, but there's a philosophy around getting rid of stuff. It basically, do I love it? Like looking at it like, do I love it? No, get rid of it. Really sitting in,
1: do I need this thing? I always say, do I have to have it? Do I have to have it? And if I haven't used it, let that shit go. Yep. Let it go. But you know what? To that point, Bridget. In the vein of breaking generational curses, one thing that I've noticed is that most families are hoarders. And not in the sense of like TLC hoarders, right? Some people, right? But what I mean by hoarding is that we have things that have been passed down from family, things that have been bought because living in America, we buy in excess, right? Things that we don't need for whatever reason, we have a lot of stuff and on our own, but then also that's passed down. And then people are like, do you want this? I've had to start saying, no, I don't want that. (laughs) Why do I need, like being prepared, right, is one thing, but living in excess, like extreme excess, it's just too much. So I am also being cognizant of breaking generational curses of having Excess things that I don't need and don't use. Because one of the things personally for my life that I want to live by going forward is more of a minimal lifestyle where I have less stuff, more space, where I can do more with less. That will be a personal triumph for me. You know what I mean? Because it's taught through family, but it's also taught through society. And so I want to encourage myself to just rid myself of that. The other thing, Bridget, is. Emotionally and mentally and romantically speaking, I am trying to clear up space so that I can receive what is next and meant for me in my next chapter. And so personally and romantically, I have been doing a lot of healing from relationships and self and all of those things about being prepared to be a wife and a mom. I, at 33, have achieved a lot in my life on my own. And I'm feeling lopsided. I'm feeling like I have exercised a lot of parts of myself in my analytical mind where I have excelled professionally and all of those things. But I've dated a lot. I've been in relationships or what have you. But no time before now have I ever been truly ready and accept to be a wife and a mom. I used to be afraid. I used to look at all the negativity. In regard to those roles that I saw that wasn't healthy, and I was convincing myself I didn't want it. But now, in doing my work and being honest with myself and understanding where that negativity came from, I understand that I want those things. And so I am deliberately creating space for that. So, in this next chapter, I am very protective of that space at this point in my life because I want to start exercising those parts of myself. I want to make sure that I have better standards where whoever comes along, they meet those standards and I'm not wasting time and filling it up with things about like, you know, creating new projects or new businesses or things like that. So I'm doing a shedding. I'm doing a purging of self, of old habits and behaviors, of things that I've learned so that I can truly step into this next chapter in my life a new person, and with room to receive what is for me in that next season and beyond. I love that so much. So you were asking me, like, what's up with me?
2: I am in a season of partnership and creating a life with someone. And the only reason that I can be here is because I did that work before right? I intentionally spent the time working on myself, healing myself, creating my tribe and my community and what's for me, knowing that I needed to do that before I could be in partnership. I did the mom thing and I did the marriage thing in a place of woundedness. And so when I had my breakdown slash breakthrough and really recognized the need for me to spend a season on myself, a sabbatical of self, I actually set the intention that my the 40s were going to be the 10 years of Bridget. I'm six years into that. And I'm three years into this partnership.
1: And it looks good on you. <laughs>
2: okay, might I add? <laughs> And it's incredible. He and I will talk about this regularly, that I could not have entered this partnership and be challenged in it the way that I am if I had not done that work before. Coming out of 2020, the incubation period of that, really, we spent a whole lot of time together. It was kind of like make or break time. We both went through a lot of changes. And now... What does this partnership look like now? I also am letting go of one of my work things, jobs. I have multiple hats and and multiple businesses, right? Letting letting go of, of one of those at the same time that he's looking to create one. So really defining what partnership looks like for us without societal expectations of what partnership is supposed to be. It's incredible and uplifting and challenging and all of those things, and it could not have happened if I had not been intentional in the way that you're describing. I knew that after my healing journey and taking a couple years for healing myself and having some smaller relationships during that time, I knew that the partner for me was going to trigger me. I knew enough about my past. I knew that I was going to be triggered. And I knew that I needed to have tools in my tool belt. And that is true. And it also, it's incredible to have a partner who I can have those conversations with. That I can say, hey, this thing triggered me. This is the story I'm telling myself in my head. And for him to not take that personally. For him to know that it's my shit, right? and That he can be present and create a safe space for me. It isn't his job to fix it. But that I also can do the same for him. He can say, I'm going through this thing. I'm realizing this stuff about me. And for me to know that, hey, it's not mine to take on. I can create a safe space. But I don't have to own that. It's beautiful and it's challenging.
1: Like the healing journey. Exactly. And I want to say something that you said that I I felt like I really felt was that you said, I, I'm a mom, you know, I did that kind of early on in my life and I also did marriage, but what you're doing right now is real partnership and having witnessed it myself firsthand, I can tell you truly and genuinely that you and your partner are one of the models that I like look at and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, that level of vulnerability Transparency, grace, love, and support that you guys have. It is beautiful, Bridget. It is beautiful to watch and knowing your story. I can't be more happy for you that you have that, that he has that within you because you're also teaching him how to do the healing. So just thank you for allowing me to have a seat at the table to be able to watch something that I aspire to have with my partner, my future partner. Thank you. You're welcome. It would not have been possible if
2: I hadn't allowed myself to dream. It was not modeled for me. The partnership that we have was not modeled for me. And in my marriages... I recreated what was modeled for me, which was recreating patterns because I only knew that one thing. And healing for me was starting with myself and recognizing the patterns that I was creating because I created those toxic relationships. I co-created them because it's all that I knew. Chaos was what I thrived in. And so one of the things that therapists often talk about is that When you grew up in chaos and you recreate chaos, you recreate unhealthy, toxic relationships. A healthy one can feel boring, right? And so hitting the reset button for me meant really getting clear, what do I want? What am I seeking to create? And one of the big things for me was I can't do boring. I also don't want chaos. So what does that look like? That looks like a partner where we're creating not only a relationship with one another, but we're actively creating healing in the community. And so to be with someone who is out there doing not just his personal work, but doing work in the community has been so meaningful and impactful for both of us. Sometimes that is us doing it together. Often it is him doing his work in the community, me doing my work in the community, and being able to come back and share with one another what that looks like, and to be excited for one another, right? I could not have even imagined it if I had not, again, intentionally dreamed. I actually, like, wrote down what my dream partner would look like. I called him a warrior. And my partner would say, "I am definitely not a warrior. That is not who I am," because he's this peaceful, calm person. But the truth is, he shows up in the world as a change agent. Which to me, that's right.
1: He's a warrior. To he's me. a
2: warrior. <laughs> he doesn't want to be called that. In the same way that, like, it took him a long time to accept the word "activist" as well, right? Because he is even like temperament, evenly temperament. But that doesn't mean that he can't have an impact on the community, and he he absolutely does. And I think it's important what you're doing, what you're saying, what you're creating is that you have worked on yourself and you're saying, "Okay, now I'm ready and I'm ready in a way that allows possibilities that I can't even imagine right now. And that is the only reason I'm able to say that I am here today and constantly being challenged to grow because I have chosen a partner who is challenging himself, right? And I couldn't have imagined it without dreaming.
1: Snaps to men healing themselves too. Yes. (laughs) It's important.
2: (laughs) It's incredibly important. Let's just challenge them. Let's see a podcast like this, right? There's a lot of male-centered podcasts out there.
1: Let's have some about healing. Yes, please. Please, because I'm trying to find a husband. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not trying to find him. I want him to find me. But (laughs) yes, you're attracting. Exactly. But no, it's a beautiful thing to watch, honestly. I mean, I I really mean it. It's a great model to watch. And I know it's not perfect, right? Going back to bittersweet. It's all of the emotions because that's what it takes. We're going to experience all the emotions in building relationships and merging lives and healing with each other individually, supporting that. So I love to see it, it is inspirational. One of the hardest things for me, so
2: one of my trauma responses is hyper-independence. And although I was in traditional marriages before, I always maintained a certain level of independence. And I never really allowed anyone to support me because I could do it all. And to be in a relationship where I can let my guard down, I can cry, I can be the least perfect version of myself. I don't know how to describe that, right? I can be authentically in a bad day. And it be okay is incredible.
1: That's the dream, Bridget. That is the dream. When he says things to me like,
2: Bridget, you're allowed to be sad. Or even you're allowed to be angry. Like, that's a big one. Anger was never allowed. You're allowed to be angry. You're allowed to be sad. It's like, wait, what? (laughs) Okay. But you know what? I also need to show up in the same way, right? Like, so many times we expect men to be these rocks. And the truth is they are humans, too. And so I also showing up in a way that says, you know what? You are allowed to also be vulnerable and it's safe here. Gosh, that's like, it's incredible.
1: I love it. I love to see it. And I totally aspire to be like that and experience the roller coaster of a ride that comes with it. Because, I mean, it adds to both individuals tremendously. It helps that he has a master's in psychology. Just saying. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I say all the time: the only reason that you can handle my crazy is because you were educated and crazy. Of course, like he laughs at that song. Right, so true. But it, I mean, it does help. We talk about how important it is to be trauma informed. Yes, as a practitioner,
1: as a practitioner, and,
2: yeah. or whatever. Like having a partner who is trauma informed really helps. Actually, if there's any men out there, I'm going to challenge you. In general, almost any woman that you meet has experienced trauma. If you look at the statistics, I mean, I'm going to just say in general to challenge folks out there. In order to be in partnership in a society where most of us have experienced trauma, you need to be trauma informed. Because our actions are going to trigger another's. And although that their trigger is their responsibility, to be able to communicate with understanding is critical to that partnership. So becoming trauma informed will allow you to be in more meaningful partnership with a significant
1: other and with your friends and with your family. Yeah. And so what that means on a very simple level is that it is helpful when you two are on your healing journey, right? Understanding what your traumas are, what your triggers are, and how to manage that, right? Because I'm with you, Bridget. I can't, one of the standards is I'm not dating a man who has not started this healing journey because I'm not in a space where I can help you get started on that journey, I am right there to support you as you support me. I want you to know what it's about so that we can start off right with a solid foundation. Not that I'm like having to bring you into it. So yeah, like, so it's important for everybody to start doing that healing. That's why we have the podcast. That's why it's important to do the healing because When you start to understand you, when we start to understand us and what the things that have happened to us and how they impact and contribute to how we show up, we can then have empathy for other people and not take things personally when we do trigger each other because it is inevitable. It's going to happen. Like I can totally trigger you and you can totally trigger me. But because we're on the healing journey, we may not take that personally because we understand that it's just life, right? You know, we can have grace. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Key. thank you for this
2: conversation today. As always, our conversations are always uplifting, enlightening, and real. So thank you for this conversation today. And thank you to all of you who have joined us for this special summer edition with Key and I having a conversation. I am Kianna Daniels. And I am Bridget Flaherty. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Tears, Tides, and Transformation, a podcast about healing.
0: I see new life. I see new tides carrying. of you going through it all. The audacity of you trusting self all along. I see you life. I see